Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hey there, good morning. It's Mike Williams with Genesis here at Investor Insights, and thanks so much for joining us for this uh, episode of the podcast. Uh, you know, we're going to talk, um, uh, the, the title this morning, I guess, would be something like uh, Whistling Past the Rotation. Uh, you know, when we started the summertime, we talked about how summers tend to feel a lot like watching paint dry as the markets unfold. Uh, things go into slow motion, they get boring, volumes drop. News uh, volumes tend to pick up because, you know, as everyone leaves to go on vacation, media outlets need to work harder to get your attention. So the volume picks up, the hypiness picks up, the, the big words pick up, the scary words pick up. You know, everything's a crisis. I was reading yesterday um, a particular stock report. It said XYZ plunges after bad product update, and the stock was down 1.2%. So you can kind of get a sense of how we've begun to use these big words. But what do I mean by whistling past the rotation? Um, What what we've got here is months and months of the market seemingly going uh, in neither direction, up or down, with any oomph. Uh, It's called a trade range in uh, market... uh, discussions. Uh, It's also called rotation. What does rotation mean? Well, rotation is when the markets are kind of going nowhere, um, but yet sectors within the market, under the surface, it's like boiling water under the surface. It's like watching the ocean, you know, when when, when I used to sail an ocean race and we'd be in the middle of nowhere uh, and and in complete doldrums, meaning no wind. Uh, We were sailboat racing and obviously you need wind but when the glass when the water was like glass and you can be in the middle of the ocean and not a ripple in sight when there is no wind but underneath that flat glassy surface torrential currents were always at work Um, and that's kind of like what a churn or a rotation looks like in a stock market where the averages will move very little but certain sectors will move a lot. Um, so the idea here is in a churn, one or two sectors this year have done really well. Healthcare has done really well. Um, fortunately, we've ridden a little bit of that, but you know, it goes back to our bigger pictures that we've talked about, the secular waves. It would be understandable that healthcare is doing well under the surface in that we've got the baby boom growing older and they're using healthcare more. Uh, Gen Y is moving out of their house and they're just buying their first car and they're going in to rent their first apartment or condo, even buy their first house in some you know, starter cases. Uh, so different parts of the economy will be affected by different secular waves. Now, here's the thing. When you're watching paint dry or a trade range in a stock market, It's the luck of the draw as to which sector might do well during that rotation. 
you know, money trying to flit in and out of sectors to see what's happening. That's usually a sign of the second or third tier of the trade desk at work because the first tier guys are on vacation. Be that as it may, what we've learned about sector rotation is whatever is doing quote unquote well when the market's going nowhere tends to fall back behind after the market breaks out up or down. So these are usually short-term events where rotations are taking place. It is usually angst and trepidation as people are fearful of a market that stops going up, um, which leads us uh, to the sort of the next point. Um, you know, in the larger picture, while the market is going nowhere, and by the way, we still hope for a, a summer swoon to take advantage of. I'd love to see a three or four or five or even six percent correction and let the market pull back a little and scare the rest of the people that aren't scared already. Remember, we talked about sentiment in our last uh, episode, and it's paltry at this point. Um, interestingly enough, the things that we were afraid of the first half of the year are kind of going away. Uh, sentiment already stinks. The strong dollar, and I put that in quotes, remember for years we were told the weak dollar would be the death of us. Uh, and now, of course, we're being told the strong dollar is the death of us, kind of like expensive crude oil is bad and cheap crude oil is bad. In other words, there really isn't a good. Now, while you chuckle about that, remember that analysts, you know, the crack team of experts that they tend to be, uh, crowded around the idea that weak oil was going to hurt us and the strong dollar was going to hurt earnings. Well, for some companies, it did shave some of the growth in earnings, not hurt earnings outright, but it shaved off some of the growth percentage points. There is a difference. So yes, it did affect overseas sales. And for many companies, bigger global companies, that does hurt. The smaller and mid-cap areas tend to not be that affected by strong dollars because they're usually U.S.-based businesses. Now, be that as it may, the relative change in the dollar has lessened quite a bit in the last quarter, meaning this set of earnings won't be nearly as affected as the last set of earnings. But that's for the rest of the crowd to figure out later. Weak oil, again, the relative change between the start of the year and now has been rather small. The weak oil impact started with the first quarter. It has shaved aggressively its impact for the second quarter. It'll be even less the third quarter and almost non-existent the fourth quarter. In other words, a one-year cycle erases the analyst's focus on that particular event. And be assured, there will be another event to worry about as soon as that one is not the focus anymore. Uh, Gen Y's buying cars, like we said. Gen Y's starting to leave their parents' home and their renting places. You just need to look at the housing permit reports to see them leaving their homes. We're seeing this surge in permits. Interestingly, the first phase will be rental properties. So you're going to see a lot of apartments get built because millions of kids are going to leave their home in the next five years. Okay, Think about it. Millions of people who are currently living under one particular roof, their parents, are now going to want their own roof. 
So you can kind of get a sense of what kind of surge that's going to mean in the roof building business. I use that euphemistically to say housing or anything related to that. Um, soon they're going to start buying first homes. Now, maybe not immediately, but in the next few years they will be. Uh, analysts, because of those terrible things about the weak dollar and the crude oil collapse, I say terrible in quote with a short chuckle, um, those analysts have brought down earnings across the board. Everybody's expectations are now watered down. Well, you know what happens when earnings expectations are watered down? Well, they tend to get beaten. In other words, quote unquote, there's a surprise. You'll hear things like, oh, that's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. Sounds smart, but what it really is is just another churn, but in a different place. Greece, of course, Greece is in the headlines every day, and Greece is, well, Greece. Hasn't changed much in the last few decades, even though it's taken a lot of press, a lot of ink, a lot of media hype, and a lot of stress in investors' minds, as though something horrible is going to happen if they default on their debt. Uh, it's kind of like when we thought something horrible would happen when Chevy or, excuse me, GM went into bankruptcy. The only thing that really happened when GM went into bankruptcy is it came out a healthier company and it started making money again. So if the worst thing in the world that happens to Greece is they come out a better economy on more stable footing and the bond boys have to take their hits, well, look, that's investing. Everybody takes a risk in taking a hit when they're investing, period. So Greece is not what it's being cracked up to be. No. So what does all that lead up to? Well, look, a trade range means we just have to wait it out. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, when I said whistling past the rotation, I was sort of saying it so you wouldn't fall asleep while the market is churning because it's easy to do. It's worse than watching paint dry. I I always get a kick, you know, the reason people get nervous, and nervous they do get. Uh, we talked about sentiment last time. We're going to talk about money flows this time right after this point. But sentiment does stink. And why it stinks is because after after two bear markets in, a, in one decade, uh, a mere six years apart, the crowd simply uh, goes haywire if the market stops going up. It doesn't have to necessarily go down. It just has to stop going up. And what happens is immediately they think, oh, my God, here it is. Here's the top. Here's the end. Here's the bubble. It's here. It finally has arrived. That thing that I have been afraid of has finally arrived. And it's got to be coming because the market stopped going up. So when the market stops going up and a trade range results, all that people think about is, oh, God, it's ready to go down. And what do they do? They leave. Well, we're going to talk about that, but here's the thing. I always think it's funny when I hear a talking head somewhere say something like, you know, well, Bob, with this, with this trade range going on for months now, you have to question the strength of the recovery. Now, that sounds really smart. Sounds like they know what they're talking about. Sounds like, well, it sounds like enough to make you sort of grimace when you hear it and tension picks up in your shoulders and you think, even for a brief minute, oh my God, maybe she's right. Maybe the recovery is over and that's why the market stopped going up. 
the funny part about this and the reason I chuckle when I hear it is because they didn't believe in the recovery even before the trade range started. <laughs> so it's just noise, guys. Remember, uh, in one of our first episodes, we said the strange part about investing is you have to learn to ignore most of what you hear. Hmm. Strangely, the investors who have done their best over the years are the ones that listen the least to outside events. They just stay on their path, they stay focused, and they use the long-term advantage of the movement of markets to their advantage, and that is that markets tend to rise over long periods of time. And if it's a short period of time you're worried about, then you shouldn't be in the market with that part of your capital that is needed for that short-term goal. It's relatively simple but hard to do. So look, back at the ranch, now that we're putting ourselves to sleep watching a trade range, I noted uh, earlier in the podcast that sentiment is already paltry. Uh, I'm going to tell you specifically how you know it's being backed up by money. And remember, when I talk about sentiment, I always say this. Sentiment doesn't mean a lot unless money follows the sentiment. Uh, Well, what does that mean? It means that if someone tells you they're nervous, but they don't sell their mutual fund, eh, they're really not that nervous yet. They'll be real nervous when they sell their mutual fund. And when they say they're bullish, but they haven't bought a mutual fund, then, well, they're just talking bullish and they're not really bullish. In other words, follow the money. And when the money is in sync with the sentiment, then you know it's kind of telling you the truth. But here's the thing. Now, we all know that bonds have, quote unquote, been the safest thing in the world for decades, right? I mean, that's the, they don't lose money. That's the deal. Bonds are safe. And I'm saying that um, tongue in cheek, by the way, because they do lose money. But here's the point. In the last couple of months, the 10-year treasury has risen by, uh, sorry, the 10-year treasury yield has, has risen by 25%. That has put a big ding in the price of any 10-year bond or bond funds. Strangely enough, as you might expect, now that they've felt a little bit of that pain, bond funds, bond mutual funds, saw nearly $4 billion of outflows last week. So in other words, as they felt the pain of that rally in yields and the fall in bond prices, people started pulling money out of bonds. Remember I said, when they start feeling the pain, they'll leave. Now, that is uh, an interesting point. Four billion left last week, but here's the more interesting point. Since the beginning of this year, investors have invested, meaning they have put in $42 billion into bond funds. So yes, last week they took out four, but net that out, and they've still put $42 billion in since the start of the year. Now, that's on top of $43.5 billion last year, even when bonds were earning 2%. Okay? Now, on the other side of that scale is what are they doing with their stock mutual funds? Well, matching the sentiment, you might guess that they are selling their stock funds. Even while the market has spent seven months going nowhere, literally trading back and forth in a 2 to 4% range, going back and forth over the same price, as that has unfolded, 
investors have taken out of their equity funds over $50 billion this year alone in U.S. equity funds. Interestingly, that's on top of 2014 numbers where all year long they took out about 70. So here we are only halfway through the year and we've almost taken out as much as we took out last year altogether. That's how you know the crowd is afraid of the stock market again. And by the way, these are signs that you would typically see after a market is corrected, after you're in a bear market. We talked about last week how, how sentiment is at levels not seen since 2009. That's 11,000 points ago in the Dow. So now you've got the money data and the sentiment data, and you mix all that in with a boring, lackluster, trade range, churning, rotating market during a summer period, which is always boring as hell, and you kind of get the gist of, wow, it wouldn't be a surprise if things got bad, but it would be a surprise if things didn't get bad. Right now, we just think they're bad. The data is not all that bad. We're at record highs in almost everything. Sure, we've slowed down the growth rate a little bit, but we haven't stopped earning record amounts of money. You know, everybody says, oh my God, you know, earnings only grew 2.3% this quarter. Well, they're still at a record high. We've never earned more. Sure, we only grew 2.3%. Any number of reasons can change a 90-day period, but it is still a record high. In essence, even though they grew slower because of the various uh, angst going through the system, even though they grew so slower, U.S. companies made more in the last 90 days than they've ever made in any 90-day period. So it's not horrible. It just doesn't feel as exciting when you hear, oh, God, they only grew 2.3%. I mean, just saying it sounds, ugh, yuck. Well, look. These kinds of pauses are normal in stock markets. They're normal. People are afraid. They're selling their stuff. They're walking away from equity funds. They don't like stocks. They just think it's all bad. And keep in mind, those ICI figures, that's the institute that keeps track of all those money flows, those figures come against a backdrop of stocks being at record highs. But look, after two bear markets in an eight-year span last decade, people are not going to like stocks again for thousands more points. Thousands. And they're going to be afraid at the drop of a hat. So we call this the great pause. And I hope it lasts through summer. I know that sounds terrible and it might be boring as hell, but let me tell you something. I hope we get a swoon. I hope we get something to take advantage of. So in the meantime, yawn, yawn, I know this is boring. We are indeed whistling past the rotation. I hope some of these thoughts have been helpful. In the meantime, hey, let's grab another cold one. I hope you're having a great summer. Have one on us and pinch me when I get nervous. Hey, we all do. I don't like trade ranges any more than you do. I hate all the headlines. But we have to learn to stay focused on the big picture, the long term, the finish line, if you will. And where you're headed is you've got to stay on your path as an investor and not let all these things bother you. I always ask myself, gee, 
If Warren Buffett read that headline, would he sell? And the answer is no. Someone asked Warren, how long are you going to hold that IBM stock? And his answer was simple. Same time we hold all our other stocks, forever. So with that thought in mind, let's stay focused. Let's look for that summer swoon. Let's have a good time with family and friends. Enjoy the summer. Thanks again for your time in the episode. And until next time, hope your journey is grand and your legacy is significant. Have a great day.